With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, Friday night show with Mildred Muhammad left me speechless. <laughs> <laughs> left you speechless. I was, I couldn't talk during this show. <laughs> yes, you know what? That was a powerful show, and I tell you what, tonight's show is going to be just as powerful. If you don't know who we're talking about when we say Mildred Muhammad, Mildred was married to the D.C. sniper John Muhammad. And I tell you what, what a powerful, powerful woman. Uh, Brian, you could hear so much strength and just wisdom just was flowing all over the show, you know, just, just coming out of her. And yeah. I think tonight, Brian, the person that we have on tonight is going to be just as powerful. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. Yeah, just as powerful. Uh, we, we're going to give out her information as far as speaking engagements. I believe she's, she has time to do that. Although she's in college, I'm pretty sure if you're going to fly somewhere, I, I don't think she'll mind flying across the country. Do you, Brian? Oh, no, I don't think so at all, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and the thing about, especially about Friday's show, you know, and huh. just like tonight's show, the thing that we're going to discuss is something that needs to be talked about, but it's just not talked about enough. Yeah. And it's it's gotten to the point where people hide it, and they don't want to reveal it because of, you know, a lot of things. A lot of times it's fear. A lot of times it's just, you know, embarrassment, you know. And so, you know, the things we're going to talk about tonight and just, are just like things we talked about the other night. They need to be talked about. They need to be discussed. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I think a lot of parents don't really know how to deal with their their, their kids. And I think the, the person that we have on tonight is definitely going to give us some ideas or some things that she's gone through in her school years. And now she's at uh, Hampton University. She's the author of a book. She's going to be a best-selling author. We know that. And I've known this person for probably a year before she went to Hampton University, and I was really impressed with her. When I tell you that this person has gone through, she's been tested, and she stood it. She made it through. And now she's just walking into her calling. She's been up against a lot of things that a lot of people probably would have never made it through. But, you know, she's here tonight. This is our first interview. It's going to be a lot more, so you just have to remember the name. And when I tell you she's a powerful, powerful sister, she's a powerful, powerful woman, and, Brian, I know you're ready to bring our guest in. Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of people go through struggle and pain and fear and yeah. You know, they never seem to get themselves out of the rut. Mm-hmm. But tonight's guest, she wants you to imagine her. <laughs> she wants you to imagine living the dream. Imagine getting over your fear. Imagine doing what you were set out to do. Yes. And, Brian, you know what? A lot of people can't imagine me. Look at her now. Now, if you would have looked at her a long time ago, and I'm sure some people probably told her, you can't write a book, you can't go to college, you can't come out of this, you will be nothing more than what you are right now. And, mm-hmm. Brian, I, really, I, I, I say this, and I mean it. She's a role model for a lot of kids that's out there listening. We know a lot of high school kids are listening right now. And mm-hmm. no matter what has happened in your past, no matter what somebody has told you, no matter what this teacher said or spoke death into your ears and said that you would be nothing more 
than just what you are right now, that's not true. We not have proof all. tonight. We have proof tonight. We have that proof. Brian, let's bring her in. All right. Tonight's guest is, well, first of all, tonight's show is about Imagine Me. Imagine Me. And if you have a comment or a question, our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And our special guest is best-selling author Jocelyn Ann. Jocelyn, are you there? Yes, I am. Jocelyn. All right. Well, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Thank you. Yes. Jocelyn, you know what? I was kidding with Jocelyn just last night, Brian. I was telling her about all the millions of people going to be listening to the show. And I said, well, one thing about it, Jocelyn, they won't see you. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that right now, but that's coming. This is just preparation to, you know, for what's to come. How are you, Jocelyn? I'm fine. How are thank, you? Yes, thank you so much. And you know what? Let's talk about your book for a second. Where did you find the courage and the strength to write a book and to just put it out there? Where did you find that strength? Well, I know about five years ago, God placed it in me. He showed me the vision of a book, and I didn't really know that I could write then. I often wanted to be a writer, but I didn't think I had the gift. And about two years ago, I started just writing things as a healing process for me, things that I had been through, just getting out my emotions, and I just started writing and one thing led to another, and I started sharing it. People were like, wow, you can really write. You know, maybe you should go ahead and put this into a book. And that's how the book idea came about. Mm. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. And what's the title of that book? The book title is Worship. It's an acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, worship stands for Words of Remembrance, Salvation, Healing, Inspiration, and Purpose. Wow. wow. Say that again for our listeners. Words of remembrance, salvation, healing, inspiration, and purpose. Mm, that sounds like a good mantra. <laughs> so when you were writing this book, um, tell us, you know, tell us what inspired you to write the book. Really, when I was writing, I was just thinking about other females and other young people, not even young people, just other people in general that have been through things that I've been through or have often felt the way I felt at times. And I just kept thinking of them as I continued to write it, even during the hard times and everything. I was just like, somebody one day is going to read this and be blessed. Mm. Wow. You know what, Jocelyn, I am so proud of you. You know, I've known you before you you went to, went off to college. I knew you when you were in high school, and we used to talk all the time in a group-type setting over the phone, like conference calls and all this stuff. And I was amazed then when you were in high school. It's just so amazing that we're talking now and you have a book. You have a book out there. And I, Brian, I, I, Brian hears me say this all the time, life will do one of two things, it'll either make you bitter or it'll make you better. But because of a lot of the things that you've overcome in your life, it seems like life has made you better. And it's like you're giving hope, you're giving another person, uh, you're showing them, look at me. I'm not perfect, but look at me. I'm still able to do great things. I'm not just going to sit and wallow in Uh, depression and not think that I can do more. You know, I just want to commend you on that. It's just so amazing um, what you're doing. You're reaching out and you're helping others. And like Brian and I said at the very beginning of the show, parents, they really don't know how to connect with their kids anymore. And, you know, when you were in high school, what did you need to hear from an adult that will probably make you feel secure? Um, let me think. I probably need to hear that one day things will be better. Mm-hmm. You know, not to care about what other people think or, I guess, as far as the guys. You don't have to be accepted by them. You don't have to let them do anything to you or say anything to you because you are a beautiful woman of God. You don't have to take certain things from certain people. 
certain things just don't apply to you. And I never heard that until I got older. But if I had heard it maybe back in middle school, a lot of things would not have happened the way they did. You know, we hear I love you all the time. Growing up, we hear that all the time. But there are more words out there than I love you because it becomes a habit. When you hear it, you're so used to hearing it. And like you said, they need to say something like, it will get better. Uh, I'm proud of you. Uh, we see, we know what you're going through because we were your age at one point. But, you know, as we get older, a lot of times we, as older people, we try to act like we've never been there. We, we try to judge the young kids coming into the churches or coming into the schools, and we, we judge them. Did you feel that you were judged when you were in high school? I was actually fortunate to be around a group of older adults who did accept me, and I didn't feel judged, but I know a lot of females in my position did feel judged, especially by the people at their church. Mm. Wow. Now, you said these are the people at their church? Correct. Wow. You know, it's amazing that, um, and you're, you're actually in Virginia, correct? Yes. It's amazing that, you know, we're in Florida, you're in Virginia, and when I talk to you and people around your age, I hear the same story. Mm-hmm. I hear the same story that, you know, the adults don't understand us. You know, it's it's interesting. I was I, I do uh, abstinence education with youth, and I was talking to a group of uh, preteens today, you know, well, teenagers around that 12, 13-year age, and, you know, they were saying, I was telling them about music. I said, music is the thing that will influence you more now than anything else around you. And they said, I said, you know, there's a lot of music out there that has negative, you know, information in it. I said, give me one positive song. And one of the kids said, well, the rapper Plies, he got a song that talk about going to college. And I said, well, wait a minute. Isn't this the same rapper that talks about, you know, having sex and having a main squeeze and a whole bunch of other females on the side and all that stuff. I say, so how could he? How could you listen to him if he's saying something positive if everything else he's saying is negative? And the kid said, well, you just don't understand because you're old. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, no, I do understand. I understand it's a business. So even when you, even when adults are trying to connect with kids, for some reason because there's been such a huge disconnect, the kids feel like you can't connect. You know, did you experience that same type of thing where you felt like you couldn't talk to adults? I did, and I think it had a lot to do with the approach. A lot of of adults do not know how to approach young people. They approach them in a condemning, judgmental way. Instead of trying to hear their side and then tell their side, it's just like this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. And a lot of adults aren't transparent these days, and they're not willing to say what they went through as a young person. Mm. Awesome. You know, Jocelyn, when you were going through your tough times and your rough times and you felt that uh, there was no one for you to talk to, I'm going to ask you this. Did you feel that suicide was an option? I often thought that for a period in my life, And then I knew that I didn't want to die, but I just wanted to go away or to hurt myself. It wasn't that I wanted to die because I did have a little bit of hope that maybe one day, I didn't know when, but one day things wouldn't be as bad. But I did just want to disappear for a while. Yeah. I hear hear a lot of young young people saying, uh, if I go to sleep, it's okay if I don't wake up because things are that way. And it shouldn't be like that. Uh, did you not have a friend or someone that you could talk to at the time that you felt that, okay, this is my girlfriend, we're, we're close, I, I, I can talk with her, or you just didn't have anybody? At one point when I was first in high school, I did have my little best friends, but they proved to be phony and, you know, backstabbers. And so during one period in my life, I did feel there was really no one to talk to. But after a while, I was blessed with the two mentors I have in my life. And um, I felt that they really got me through the hard times. But not every young person, you know, is blessed to have 
people that are a little bit older than them that are willing to listen to them and help them. And I think that's really unfortunate. Mm. Mm. You know, I, I got to go back to my conversation with the kids today because it was just, it was fun, but at the same time, it was kind of like, you know, you mean you don't know this? You know, they were asking, like, just crazy questions. And, you know, they asked me, they would talk, actually, one of them brought up a conversation about uh, a show. And they were watching this show, and they were saying how on the show there was a girl who was living with her grandparents, and her grand, one of her... uh grandparents her grandmother's boyfriend was trying to molest her and he would constantly molest her and every time he would do this to her she would cut herself because that was a way of her getting getting the pain away you know so what were you know so i'm asking that question and i want to know did you experience those type of not necessarily that situation, but did you experience that type of pain where you just wanted to make the pain go away? I did, and just like her, I figured if I couldn't deal with the emotional pain, to reflect it onto physical pain. Hmm. And, and you know, I think that's where the disconnection come right there, Brian. When uh, someone says something like that, a person that 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 sound that. Uh, never been through that type of hurt or that pain, and they don't have that outlet, they won't understand that. The first thing that they'll say is, oh, she's crazy, or this kid is just uh, something is wrong with this child. That's true, something is wrong. And I think as older people, we don't listen. Sometimes all a child or a person that's hurting, all they want to do is talk. But a lot of times we don't listen. And and I'm just like Brian. I teach abstinence training to kids as well, and it's amazing. We learn things every week that we never really knew about the what's going on in society today. And you know, and let's talk about one of your chapters in your book. What is what's the best chapter in your book that you think uh, a teenager need to pick up and just turn to this chapter and just read it? Um, for me, it would have to be girl talk, and that's for the females. Um, some of the writings in there touches on things like low self-esteem, sex, and things of that nature. And I think once they read it, they'll have a better understanding that, you know, I don't have to have sex with anybody, and I don't have to feel this way about myself. I don't have to think that I'm not pretty, and I don't have to do what others tell me to do. I can be my own person. That's powerful. That's that's powerful because, you know what, when a person's self-esteem is low, they will do whatever that comes to, to their mind to bring it back up. But actually the, the steps that they're doing and the steps that they're taking is actually pushing them further and further down because they want to feel uh, as if they're accepted. They want to feel like what they what they do matters and and, and it's so amazing that you said those points because, you know, Brian and I, we were just talking about that before the show. And how can you tell a 14-year-old not to have sex when they're pressured and they're going through all types of different things, but the adult really don't understand what's going on, and now this girl is in a position where, she's, where she either has to put out or stay depressed. Did any of your friends ever come to you when they were going through or, or in a position like this they had to do something? I had a lot of friends come to me when they were in that position, and they felt like, well, you know, everybody's doing it. My parents won't find out. Nothing will happen. He loves me. This will make me feel better. And those are all false ideas that I put in our head by the media and our peers. Mm. You know, and it's important you said the media because that's the one thing that I try to, especially when I'm talking, because I talk to a group of all boys. So it's hard to get them to understand that something is controlling their mind because, you know, they know everything and nothing can control their mind. You know, and I keep telling them what you're watching on TV controls your mind. You know, if if you're watching it, 
and and you're keeping you're keeping up with it. Guess what it's doing? It's controlling your mind. You know, and you know just the simple fact that you have so many people out there that are using TV as a way of getting you to buy things and getting you to do things and say things and you know that TV and that media. You know, and and I'm not trying to dog media, but I'm just being honest and saying a lot of it is geared towards you making a purchase. And none of them really know or understand just how deep the the media will go to get you to buy or to get you to, you know, buy into what they're selling. You know, and they use the things that, you know, that, that they know will easily get your attention, like sex and you know, money. Here, if you get this, you'll be rich. If you do this, you'll be famous. You know, status. You know, so did you have did you have those same types of pressures like a lot of your peers? I I did at one point seeing, you know, the females on T V and the things I saw on T V, I thought, you know, well, if they can do it on T V then I can do it in real life and the the music and everything, going to the parties it's what looked good on TV. That's what I did. Mm. <laughs> All right. If you're go just ahead, joining us, we're going to go to a quick break. So stay tuned to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Hey, Justin, Sarah. Hi, Ricky. Hi. Hey, listen. I just heard about some kids who might try to get some beer. So? Why are you telling us? Yeah. Well, because I thought maybe we could go and, you know, drink. Why? Um, because, I guess because it's cool. Cool? Why is it cool? Well, you know, we can go and get wasted. And why would we want to get wasted? Well, remember that time when we heard some older kids talking about doing it? So, why should we do it? Well, I guess, I guess I don't know. Sooner or later, someone may ask you if you want to drink. If that ever happens to you, maybe there's something you should ask them. Like why? Because the fact is, most kids don't drink. Even older kids. So think about it. There's no good reason to drink. Want to know more? Check out thecoolspot.org. Good news. For the first time, black men are smoking less. That means more guys are putting down the smokes and picking up a healthier lifestyle. Smoking can lead to impotence and kills more people than AIDS, homicides, car accidents, and alcohol combined. So for those of you who quit or are trying to quit, way to go. For the others, it's never too late. For free information on quitting smoking, call 1-800-358-9295. That's 1-800-358-9295. And we're back with the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight's topic is Imagine Me. Our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And tonight's guest is Ms. Jocelyn Ann. And, Ms. Jocelyn, you know, I have a question for you. First of all, I want to ask, just for the sake of our listeners, how old are you? I'm 18 years old. All right, so you're 18 years old, and you have a book, you know, and... You know, that's just a wonderful inspiration to our youth and to our adults, you know, because there are a lot of people out there that, you know, they're five, you know, they're 35, 36, 37 years old. They've been talking about something that they want to do or something that they should have done 20 years ago. And here you are. You said your vision came five years ago. That means you were, you know, barely a teenager. And you made it happen. So I say that to say, are you done? <laughs> oh, no. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. You know, what are some of the things that, you, that you're that you aspiring to do now? Now, well, since I published the first book, I have been working on the second one. The one I have published now is Volume 1, and I'm looking to do at least two or three more. Um, of the worship series, I want to write my novel. 
And upon graduating, I do want to open my own counseling center. Mm. Wow. Everything is centered around serving others. Oh, you know I was going to say that, Greg. <laughs> well, go ahead. I won't. I'll take it back. You can say it. You, I'll back right. it. <laughs> I was going to say, so your life is going to be built around serving others. Correct. <laughs> you know, I, I just think that's wonderful because here it is at a time when you you probably would need more people to help to build and nurture you. Here you are getting ready and preparing yourself to do that for other people. Hmm. Justin, if you if you look back over your life, if you look back over all of the times that you laid in the bed and you were just crying and you you were praying and you were begging the Lord to take this pain away, do you ever look back over your life and say, you know what, I made it? I, Every day. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, a lot of people don't do that. They think that what happened to them when they were five or six years old. It may have been an ugly, ugly thing or ugly act that happened to them. They get stuck in the past, and they don't know that they have victory. They don't know that they're walking in victory because they've been stuck in that past for so long that they don't know what it's like to have a good time. And when when they're out and they're having a good time, they feel guilty. You know, that that's so sad, but... I, I like the fact that you said that you've looked back over your life, and you you know you you were saying I cut you off, but I want to hear when, when you when you look back over your life, what's the first thing that come to mind? I'm just grateful. I really am because, like you've been saying, it's a lot of people in my position. It's a lot of females that have been through things. A lot of people, and like you just said, they get stuck on everything. But I'm just grateful. First of all, for the people God sent in my life at the time he did, you know, to minister to me and to build me up. And I'm grateful that I didn't give up, that I had enough faith in him, and that he proved himself enough to me for me to trust him. And so every day I just wake up and I just say thank you, Lord, for everything. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, what if we didn't have bad times? Do you think any of us would have a, a better relationship with him? <laughs> Or will we just so. yeah? Do, or will we just totally forget about him and and not acknowledge who he is and and, and spend time with him? I, I really don't think so. I just think that a lot of times uh, what we think are bad things happening to us is really him opening the door for us to fellowship more with him. Would you agree? Yeah. I agree. Yes. No matter how ugly the incident looks. No matter how ugly or how much pain you had to endure, you know, fight it, walk through it. And when I say fight it, I don't mean fight against it. Fight saying every morning, I deserve great things. Great things are going to happen for me. Abundant things, you know, these things are going to happen for me. I think we have to live a life in the expectant mode that something good is about to happen. Absolutely. And we stay focused on that. Because if we don't, one thing that we do, we always ask for things that we don't want to happen. We don't really focus on the things that we want to happen. And by you writing your book, that tells me that you will focus on something that you wanted that would be great, that would be wonderful and awesome to help someone else. How did you look at when you know when you were writing your book, how did you look at that? Did you ever think this book is going to do this, not because of what I'm writing, but because what was planted inside of me that I need to get out to help someone else? Did you ever look at it that way? I did, especially during the hard times where sometimes I didn't feel like writing it. Sometimes, you know, I didn't think it would get published because, you know, it's a process. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep persevering because I know what God promised me. And I know the lives I want this book to touch. So it's really not about me, and it's not about how I feel. It's not about what I want right now. It's about God and what he's already preordained this book to do. Mm. Awesome. Brian, did you hear that? Awesome. Brian, did you hear that person? Yeah. You know, that that's just awesome. You know, 
like Greg said before, we have to live in that expectant mode. You have to expect that whatever you put your mind to to do, to say, to have, to affect, that it's going to happen. You know, so I mean, just like now, you expect to graduate from college, right? Right. We do expect to get that A on that next test. I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, the thing that I, the thing that most people don't do is they'll say we expect it, but they don't speak it. Yes. You know what I mean? And and I like to, I like to get into the mode of speaking that thing. I know I'm going to get an A tomorrow. I'm going to get an A today. You know, I'm going to have this. I'm going to do that. You know, did you ever have people around you or people that, or did you ever do this when you were younger? Did you ever just say, ah, it ain't going to happen. Uh, I ain't going to worry about it. It's not a big deal anymore. Even though it was something that you really, really was looking forward to doing or having? Yes. I have. Mm. You know what, Jocelyn? Somebody out there that's going to pick up this book. And I say this because the things that you went through in your life is a solution for someone else. Somebody's going to pick up this book that's contemplating suicide that may may not be on the edge of suicide, but somebody's going to pick up this book and it's going to be a solution to their problem. It's right. going to be the yeah. It's going to be that thing that says, "Here I am. Now release it. Release this hurt. Now you can let it go. You're not the only one going through." Because that's what happens a lot of times when we're going through. We feel that we're the only one that's going through hard times and bad times, and and all we wanted to do is stop. Right. You know, so now that you're in college, how many of your friends are looking up to you as the strong one? And and, and I and I, the reason I ask that question is because when you're the strong one, when everybody's looking for you for strength, it drains you because there's really no one there for you to go to. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, not now that you're in school right now, now that you're in college and your friends, are are they looking to you as the leader? A lot of them are. And at first, like you said, it was draining and stuff, but I remember the people that put in my life to be above me. So, I, you know, I go to them. People come to me and I go to them. So that's how it works. So I feel that, you know, if there's people there for me when I'm having problems, and to help me, then why not be there for somebody else? Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. That's it. You know, I always said, each one teach one. Right. And that's that's just a wonderful example of each one teach one. You know, you get a little something, and then you don't just hold on to it. You actually pass it on. Right. You know, and that's part of what what I call passion. When you can pass something on, you know, you have your passion and you pass it on. And it becomes someone else's passion. And what I truly believe is that one day you'll inspire a nation of youth to go out and do this very same thing you did. Because they'll be able to relate to your story. They'll be able to relate to what you went through as a youth, what you went through as a young person. You know, and the fact that you were able to, you know, build yourself up when other people were trying to tear you down and the fact that you were able to grow amongst all those weeds and blossom and now you're spreading your seeds. Mm. Let me say this, Jocelyn. I want to say this. And it just hit me. You know, you were born to write this book. Before the foundation of this world was, you were born to write this book. Did you ever think about that? I mean, is that something that you sit and think about? Wow, I mean, everything that I went through in my life qualified me to write this book. 
I think about that often, and that's where this whole grateful spirit that I have comes into play, that, you know, God knew me, and he knew that this was going to happen, and no matter what I did to try to get out of his will, and no matter how bad I felt about myself, he still had this in the works. Mm-hmm. And how many times, What? what and I know, I, and I'm going to ask you this as an example, you said perseverance earlier. How many obstacles and how many doors were shut in your face before you finished this book? Wow. <laughs> wow. I can't even name them. It was just so much stuff. And it would have been so easy for you to say, you know what, this door just closed our way. This yeah. is getting too hard. I can't do it our way. But somebody, somebody's out there. That book is going to change somebody's life. That book is going to change somebody's life. And because you were obedient and you wrote it and you stayed with it to the end, and when you wrote your last page and when you found out the book was going to be published, please tell us what that felt like. I I think I cried for a whole day. I was just so relieved and so happy that it was not only was it finally done so I could move on to the next one, but that I would finally be able to share, you know, everything that God had placed in me with my family, my friends, my church family. They had been hearing about it, you know, but until they had it in their hand, you know, could actually read it for themselves, I was just happy that that moment had finally come. Yes, the pain and the suffering. The pain and the suffering, the long night, not knowing what you were going to do with your life, not knowing if you were going to wake up the next morning, and if you didn't, well, it was okay. All of that pain and suffering, he made it worth it when you finished the book. It was all worth it. And I love the fact that you said perseverance. We need that. We need that perseverance because we're all going to be faced with it. None of us are exempt from trials and tribulations. They are going to come no matter what it is that you're doing. It's going to come. And the closer you get to your dream, the, the the harder the fight will get. But the thing of it is, Jocelyn, and you said it best, you just have to stay focused and keep going. And what was that thing that made Jocelyn say, you know what, they just closed the door in my face. They said no. Now I'm faced with this, I'm faced with that. What was that thing that was driving you to finish this book? It was basically the females that I know that are in my life now, kids in my church, kids at my old high school, you know, that I know that they needed to read it. I knew that, like, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about them. I was doing this for them. I had already been through it. You know, I already had the solution, but they needed to hear this. Mm. Passing it on. <laughs> How long did it take you to, uh, from the time you started the book to completion? It was about two years. So this was a two-year healing process. Right. Because of what I believe, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me, that each time you wrote something, it helped heal you up a little bit. Definitely. Mm. You know, and and the thing about it, there's no better healing than the healing of helping someone else heal. Right. You know, and that's what I believe you're you're doing now. You're helping other people to heal, and you're also helping other people guard against getting those same types of physical, emotional, you know, mental and social scars that you had to take on. Right. And you know what, Jocelyn, I want to ask you this. I know that all of us, we have open wounds. Some of, some of the wounds will never completely heal because there will be things that will always flash in our mind that will trigger that ugly thing or that whatever it was that you went through. It could be a cologne or a perfume that you smell that will remind you of where you were. And that's the thing. That's the trick of the enemy. That's what he'll do. He'll always bring your past up. He'll always do that. And that's when you know that 
it is the enemy because it, that, that's the only thing that he's going to do. Remember when you used to do this? Remember you were in a position and you did that? Right. You know, and when you were right at the end of, of writing your book, and in your thoughts, were you thinking, you know what, I'm not worthy to write this book. I I, I don't have the experience. Who am I to, to write a book? I'm just 18 years old. How can I tell someone what I've been through? How can I tell them? How can I get them to listen to me? Did you think like that? I did. I thought like that the whole last week of the editing process. I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. Nobody's going to take this seriously. Maybe, you know, maybe I am too young. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm not worthy enough. You know, God, maybe you're making a mistake. So I did go through that doubting process. Wow. God, maybe you're making a mistake. Woo. Hmm. All right, we're going to take another commercial break, and when we come back, we'll have more with Jocelyn A. You're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh! Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Here's an important message from Rev. Dr. Jeremiah A. Wright, Jr., Senior Pastor of Trinity United Church of Christ. Did you know that more than half of all the new HIV-AIDS cases reported are among African Americans? Our men, our women, and our children are at risk. We must put aside our fears and exercise our faith and put an end to this deadly disease. Encourage testing. Learn more about HIV and AIDS. For testing locations, contact the CDC National STD and AIDS hotline at 1-800-342-AIDS. Yo, Dad, have I told you how proud I am of you? Hey, thanks, son. What did I do? I picked you eating extra vegetables and snacking on apples. Just trying to stay healthy by eating my nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I even saw you slip carrot sticks in your gym bag. You noticed that? I sure did. Well, that's what you've got to do to stay healthy and fit. <laughs> and that's why you're my hero, my role model, my shining all right, star. All right, what do you want? The car, some cash, and your old school CD. <laughs> oh, my son. A message from the Department of Health and Human Services. We're back with the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight's topic is Imagine Me. And our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And we have Miss Jocelyn Ann with us tonight. You know, Miss Ann, I want to go to the phone lines. I want to see who's, you know, rearing and ready to talk to this wonderful woman of God we have on the line. So... The first caller we're going to go to is a caller from the 972 area code. Oh, they just went off the air. Okay. Let well, me ask been, you a question. I, but I'm sorry. I just, I've been getting emails or, or text messages that mm-hmm. they just love. They can't call them, but they just, I mean, they're absolutely uh, loving the show. They love the fact that Jocelyn is answering all of the questions and, and one of the one of the many responses or things that I'm getting is she sounds, she doesn't sound like she's 18. There's too much wisdom there for somebody to be 18, but I just wanted to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that's what, that's what, that's why I asked her earlier how old she was, you know, because, you know, when you hear somebody say, well, you know, five years ago I had this vision of writing this book to share my experiences, you never think that, okay, so she's probably in her, you know, early 20s, mid-20s maybe. And, you know, she's like, no, I'm just 18 years old. I'm a freshman in college. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Brian, you remember I, I gave a speech. At, I, I spoke at a place and Brian was there. He introduced me. And one of the things uh, that, we, that I was talking about was your testimony. And one of the ladies stood up and said, I'm not ashamed of what I went through. Because I went through it. It's a hurtful thing. I can't forget it. But I'm not going to 
sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen. Because I see other women out there that this is happening too. And Brian, I, I can't remember. I think she said that she was dealing with domestic violence. She was dealing with drug issues with drugs. She was dealing with a, a, a number of things that she was delivered from. And that's why Brian and I, we were so excited about you coming on the show because someone of your age, they try to keep this or that ugly thing or that thing that been tormenting them for so many years, they try to keep it hidden from everybody as if it's not really happening. Do you ever think to yourself, wow, I'm placing all of my business out there for the world to see. How in the world am I going to uh, show them that what happened to me a long time ago is not who I am. Do you ever think about that? I do. I often think about it. But I'm not ashamed of what I went through because I know God took me through it for a reason, and I know I'm not ashamed because that's no longer me. So I have to look at it like that. And if it means being transparent and putting myself out there for somebody else to be blessed and somebody else to be delivered, then so be it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting a a vibe here. What I'm getting from you is that not only are you not ashamed, but that if you had to go through it all over again, that you would. I would. Hmm. You know, it's amazing because most of the people who we've talked to on this show, and we've talked to a lot of people, haven't we, Greg? Yes. You know, so many of them say the same thing. If I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't change a thing because then I wouldn't be who I am right now. Right. That's just like with Oprah. If you take one ingredient, I call it ingredient, ingredient because it may, those are the things that make you. If you take one thing that happened in Jocelyn's life and you remove that one thing, you may not have a book. Or you right. Not, yeah, or you may not even have a Jocelyn. She may not even be here. Right. So when a person is going through Jocelyn, when they're in the middle of, of, of the valley, the lowest point in their life, what are your suggestions for them as far as how uh, they can come out of that thing? I would say a lot of prayer. And find that gift that you have, whether it be writing, singing, anything, to release that. You don't want to keep that emotion and that hurt bottled up. If it's just writing down what's going on, praying, singing, walking, anything to release that hurt because you really don't want to hold on to that. And I would definitely suggest reading the Word of God because when you look back in the Word, you realize that you're not the only person that's gone through something. And when you see how those people came out of it, it's really an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Well, I can definitely say you are an inspiration. You know, so what, what's up next for Miss Jocelyn? What, is, what are some of the things that you're going to do? Like within, the, I know you're talking about doing your book, and I know you have your goals for graduation. But You're asking for that big thing, huh, Brian? Yeah, that's what I want to I want to know what's up next. Really, I don't. I don't really have a clue. Um, <laughs> right now, is everything's right now about the book. Um, we are planning a conference, possibly in New Jersey this year, but that's still in the making. Mm-hmm. And I know it's kind of, it's kind of tough and awkward to ask an eighteen-year-old, "What do you have next in your grand scheme of your design?" You know what I mean? Right. But. I believe that people want to know. People want to know because you, you know, you haven't lived that long. You know what I mean? But you've done probably more than people who have lived three times your lifespan have done. You know, you've gone through probably more than people three times your lifespan have gone through. So I'm sure they're curious, just like I'm curious. You know, do would you? I know you say you ha- you only have the book that you're focused on now, but right. and you talked about a conference. Is there anything else that Miss Jocelyn is interested in doing, or anything else that you may have have planned? 
Um, this may sound random, but um, <laughs> I actually want to start event planning. And that's really random right now. But um, I know God gave me the vision for a company, God's Manifest Destiny Incorporated. And at the time, I knew that the counseling center and the book would come under it. But all of a sudden, this whole other wing came up, and it was event planning, planning conferences, weddings, and the like. So I'm trying to look into that and see where I need to go in order to make that happen right now. Well, you yeah, knew it was something else. I knew it was something else. But it still centers around helping serving. and serving others. Right. Yes. That's, I think that's so key. Because a lot of people, when they go through pain and they go through suffering, they don't they don't want to help anybody else. They right. can care less if you if whatever it is that you're doing. But Jocelyn, please know whenever you start your event planning, you have two speakers right here. We'll definitely help you in any way that we can. Absolutely. We'll definitely do that. Yes, yes. You just get them together, we'll come. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but let, back back to your book. Have you? Is there something that you could do with this book as far as uh, donating some of your books to, or trying to sell, I'm not going to say donate, but try to get a school to adopt the principles that you have in your book so that the kids will have something positive to pretty much go by. That would actually be wonderful. Right now I'm just looking at the various marketing tools that I can use. Right. Right. That would be awesome, though, if if you would mm-hmm. give one book or have somebody at a center or a girls' center where the girls just come and, and they, they talk and spend time at this place. And, and book there's club. A book. Yeah. Oprah's book club. <laughs> and one to Oprah. Well, we're sending the show. <laughs> after, I told her after we're going to send this show to Oprah, so just, just mm-hmm. be prepared. Great things about to happen. You have so many people fighting for you, Jocelyn, you just don't know it. You have right. so many people that were praying for you when you were going through uh, your tough times. So and many, many of the people, many of those people, you never met before. Yes, yes. I remember having a conversation with you. It was probably a year ago, and you said that one of your friends wanted to give up. I don't know if you remember that. You know, you us having that conversation, and you were saying your friends want to give up, but. You found out that the, your your friends were looking up to you, and you yeah. said that that shocked you. Just know that all your friends were looking up to you for their strength. I don't know. Do you remember that conversation? I remember it a little bit. Yes, yes. And you were telling us some things that you went through in your life when you were younger. I think you were diagnosed with something, and and you were telling us that you came through that. I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. You remember that conversation? You remember those things? Some of the things that you said. I do. I remember the conversation now. <laughs> See, I remember everything. I don't, I don't forget it. <laughs> I'm going to remember, especially that moment was so profound. And the beautiful thing about it, Brian, she was on the show when she said it. Right. I don't know, if Brian, Brian. Do you remember that? I remember. Yes. Yes. That was a powerful. That was a powerful show. And I, I just. I don't know if you want to discuss that. You can if you like, but I don't want to, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable in any way. But I, I just truly believe that what you shared on that show, if you were to share those things now, a lot of people will be delivered and a lot of bondages will be broken. I really do believe that. Okay. I'm trying to remember. I do remember being on the show, but I'm trying to remember what I said. I think it was some type of sickness that you were dealing with. Right, about... And you, beat, and you beat it. Right, about four years ago, the doctors were trying to tell me that I had lupus, and I had seen a few people in my life struggle with the disease. And um, I don't know, I just refused to let that bring me down. I mean, my dad's a healer, and I know he's a healer. And I figured if he brought me to it, he wants to bring me through it. So I shouldn't accept that as defeat. And so that was something positive that helped me, you know, stay focused during that period. Mm-hmm. So you just didn't accept it. You never accepted what the the diagnosis from from the from the from the physician. Yeah. Mm. Brian, I hope a lot of people listen to what she just said. She didn't accept it. She did not accept it, and, that, and that's so that's powerful. 
when you don't accept certain things. And, and that's just like somebody speaking death into your life, telling you you can't do this, you can't do this, and you, and you wind up accepting that thing. But, Josh, I want to ask you this about friends. You were talking about you had some friends that stabbed you in the back. How important is it to have friends out there that will support you? How important is that? It's, it's very, very essential. The people you surround yourself with are always speaking negativity and trying to bring you down. You're not going to go anywhere. You always need positive people around you. There are two types of people, two types of friends that I have. I have the kind that push me up to where I belong, and I have the kind that pull me up to where they are. So I have supportive friends that are on my level or below, and I have people that I look up to that are willing to take me on the ride with them. Mm. Mm. That's so important. That's really important because the people that you're around, at some point they will kind of mold you and you and you will find yourself doing the things that that they did. Right. Yeah, did you have people telling you, well, you can't write this book, you can't do this? I did. And that is they are no longer my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so you had, to, you had to turn them loose. Right. Yes, that's, that's, that's so, hmm, that's, that's so bad. That, that's a bad thing because you want everybody to rejoice with you, but everybody's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Not even family members. Now, I'm not going to put you out there and ask you about, <laughs> about family. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But you know, did, did when these people were telling you these negative things, you can't do it, did they give you like an extra fuel to the fire of completing your book? Definitely. Anytime I'm told I can't do something, especially if it's something I know that God told me I can do, that just makes me want to do it more. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that's a good word for our youth, you know, the fact that... Everybody. For everybody, really, everybody, you know. But especially our youth because, you know, from the time we were little, everything we've been told has been like restriction, restriction. No, don't do that. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. It's hot. It's cold. Don't eat that. You know, you don't watch TV. Don't do this. Everything has been like a don't, and it's almost like we raise our children in a negative type of way. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing to tell them not to do anything, but I think that sometimes we can be so restrictive that, you know, we prevent them from, you know, fulfilling the thing that they're supposed to do because they're so fearful of actually going out and doing that. Did you experience something like that? I, I did, but like I said, anything that God told me to do, that's what I'm going to do. All right, all right. You know, we got about two minutes left. I want you to give out your contact information, you know, your MySpace page or your Facebook. I know your college book. kids have Facebook now. <laughs> I still have my MySpace page. It's com slash God. Manifest Destiny. And the book can be purchased on lulu.com. The ID number is 223-4576. Or it can be purchased on my MySpace page. All right. And what about speaking engagements? I know you're going to go out and talk to some people and share your your vision, your dreams, your goals. I am. Um, You can just... Um, you can email me at god.manifest.destiny at gmail.com or hit me up on MySpace. All right, all right. Well, you know, I want to say, first of all, thank you for having the courage to come on and talk about, you know, the things that you discussed with us tonight. You know, because it's not that easy, especially when you're, you know, you're not really used to doing that type of thing. So we want to thank you for doing that. Welcome. And I want to say finally that when you're out there, you know, and this is to everybody, when you're out there and you're wondering, you know, how am I going to make it? How am I going to be able to do what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm destined to do, the talent that I've been given to do? 
How am I going to do it? Well, the first thing you have to do is imagine that you can do it. And then you have to believe that what you imagined or what you dreamed can come true. And then I'm going to use Greg's thing. You got to wake up from the dream and begin to work it. You got to work your dream. You know, Greg, tell us who will be on on Wednesday. We got about 30 seconds. Cheryl Thomas. Best selling author Cheryl Thomas. She will be with us on Wednesday. If you have time, please come back and join it. Join us. She's going to. Now, this, Brian, this is another uh, powerful woman. I don't know where our men are. We may have to uh, call call on somebody to come in and do what they need to do. But, again, we're running out of time. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, no, Brian. We reached our goal of being more, doing more, and having more. And, Jocelyn, we thank you, and we're going to follow you, and please stay in touch with us, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. God bless. Jocelyn? With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.